You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, at the end of the day, football is football. All Patriots, all, all the time. Ooh, that's spicy. All Patriots, all, all the time. Welcome to, 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 to First and Foxborough. What is going on, everybody? This is another episode of First and Foxborough. I'm Kyrie Thompson. And make sure that you are downloading, subscribing, listening on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you follow me at KD Thompson 5 and follow the show account at First and Foxborough, F-O-X-B-O-R-O on Twitter. Big week of joint practices out in Las Vegas this week. It was real, real hot from all the reports. And uh, sometimes it was a little uneven for your New England Patriots, but it sounds like by the end of things, they, they got a little bit on the right track there. You know, I, I saw reports on practice that it was a little bit more of a, of a push, which is definitely an upgrade over Tuesday where it sounded like the Raiders had been more of the upper hand. But some incremental steps forward for the offense, which is what everybody wants to know about. Uh, got some celebrations, a little walk-off touchdown to end practice that had everybody hyped up. And uh, Mac Jones saying that he wants to keep Jacoby Myers forever, which, I mean, hey, well, I mean, we'll see about that. I mean, your boy's a free agent. Uh, you know, he's, he's gonna be he's gonna be up for some money. But look, to talk about all things New England Patriots going into Friday's preseason game and going basically into the regular season, the ramp up for the regular season is upon us. Training camp is it's done. It's done. There's no more. Oh my god. Um, but to talk about all that, we have Taylor Kyle's on the line, dude. I've been wanting to talk to for quite a while. He's one of my favorite followers on Patriots Twitter, and he should be one of yours, too, if you're not already on that. Taylor, what is going on, my man? First of all, feelings are mutual top to bottom. I'm super excited to be here, bro. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, absolutely. And, and look, I got I got to say, like, first of all, uh, I am in an all-22 film junkie. So, I mean, and, and it's been it's been paining me right now to, to not be able to see it on the uh, you know, NFL Game Pass or NFL Plus. That's what they're calling it now, NFL Plus. But our guy who is with Next Gen Stats, which is really freaking awesome. Uh, I wanted to use some, something else, but I, I think I could do that on my own podcast. But I probably I'm, I'm going to I'm going to keep it PG. But it's pretty awesome that your boy over here is with Next Gen Stats and Pat's Pulpit, which I'm sure most of you that are into the New England Patriots, you know about. So look, man. What's it like being able to just like cut up all 22 content and stare at it all day? Like, like for your, for a living, like to do that for your job. It's a blessing and a curse. Uh, first of all, like I realize I'm in a very privileged, privileged position to have access to it. Um, but I say a curse because it basically just gets me out of, and I, as we spoke about, I just moved into a new house. So, um, it's really frustrating for my girlfriend because anytime there's anything, you know, that's gotta be done that, you know, I don't necessarily love it. Oh, I'm so sorry, babe. I just, the game, I got to cut up the game. There's so much film. I got to know which fourth, with fourth stringers going to maybe make the team be a dark horse candidate. <laughs> so, um, I, I mean, for me, it's been pretty much a blessing unanimously, but if I'm having any type of uh, self-awareness, I think that uh, it's kind of helped me skirt some 
uh, new home duties as well. But uh, yeah, it's yeah, it, it's like, listen, I got to be able to tell everybody if Sam Roberts is going to make the team or not. Okay, this is really this is groundbreaking stuff. Oh, God. I spent the entire day plugging Cody Russi. I don't regret it. I think that uh, it was well deserved. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about him later. But uh, yeah, man, I'm having a good time breaking down uh, some of these dark horse candidates, and uh, I think this is one of the more interesting years, honestly in terms of the bottom of the roster, guys, because there's a lot of pretty tight battles and some pretty interesting positions. Uh, and also some spots I think they need to bolster. Maybe it's more special teams depth, but we can see them kind of uh, bulk up. You know, they always are still working on the team after cut downs, you know, yeah. uh, first week of the season. It's going to be totally different. No one's roster projections are right. Spoiler alert. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Absolutely. And, and it's funny, though, just, just to talk about the, the home duties, man. So I, I, I mentioned this to you off the air. I got a toddler, got a two and a half year old, and uh, it's been bumming me out a little bit uh, these last couple of weeks because like go down to Gillette and I'm there all night long. Right. Like till like one or two in the morning. I miss bedtime. And then actually the, after this last preseason game against the Panthers, I get home at two in the morning and then I get up. On, on Saturday and go straight to WEEI for a 9 a.m. to 1 show. And it's just like, You're man, dope. like I'm I'm really shirking my fatherly duties right now. It's <laughs> like all, all for the sake of football. I got to do it, though. It's like it, it, it's for it's not just for the love of the game. It's for the paycheck. But OK, enough, enough, the enough sacrifices of, we make, man, the sacrifices we make. It's I know it's, it's grueling. It really is. But look, okay, probably to, to start kind of 10,000 foot view here, when you flip on the tape and you are watching this team, what's your impression of it? I mean, I think this, as you said, this is going to be an interesting year, not just for the bottom of the roster, but really just for the roster. Like, what is this team and what, what are you noticing from them? What do, you, what do they do well and what do they not do so well? Well, it is hard at this point in the year. I'm not personally in practices, um, and I feel like that's where you get most of your really valuable insight when it comes to this part of the year, um, because that's really when you get to see, okay, like on a consistent basis, how are these players improving on what they did the day before, yada, yada, yada. Um, but, you know, I do have access to the All-22 of the preseason. So based on that, what I'm seeing, um, one, very impressed by Bailey Zappi. I think the offense um, that we see when he comes in the game is a lot better than you'd usually see. Um, from someone who's going to go into the season as a third-round pick, especially someone like Zappi, who in college, I know I've heard you, I've seen you tweet about this, his accuracy was very up and down. It was the Bailey Zappi experience, as I put it in one tweet, where, you know, he has moments where he looks phenomenal. He's His ball placement is sensational. He's avoiding pressure. He's making plays with his legs, which then, uh, you know, and buy time for his guys to uncover. But at the same time, you would also see some just heinous misses and crazy decision-making. Now, he's really cut down on that. I'd say you see in the like, first two throws of each game, he makes kind of throw where you're like, or a decision where you're, you're not loving it. But, I mean, he's distributing the ball well. He's avoiding pressure. He's making the offensive line look better. I think he's elevating the talent of the guys around him, which is huge. I think that's a big thing to talk about if we're going to acknowledge um, the offense because that's most of what it's been. Um, the running game, obviously, when you know it's the preseason, you got a lot of backups, guys who – uh, don't have chemistry, are still in the system. It's not going to be great. Um, we haven't had a lot of opportunities, I think, to see how good the rookie running backs are. Uh, Pierre Strong has had a couple nice runs. Kevin Harris, they've had a couple nice runs, nothing too crazy. Harris, I think, had a good chance to show his contact balance on a run late last week. But um, at the same time, while you know we're talking about the run game, all comes down to the offensive line. And they, I think, have more depth in terms of young developmental talent than a lot of teams across the league. You got Will Hambright. You got Arlington Hambright, my apologies. Fantastic name. I don't know how I got that. Lord Arlington. <laughs> you got Will Sherman. Uh, you got guys like Cody Russi, as I mentioned. A lot of young guys who I'm not sure you want them starting for you. Consistent snaps, um, considering, you know, you got a pretty good group of starters. But at the same time, I think if they had to go in, they would at least be – um, replacement level, and they would do enough to stand out. I think Russie actually is pretty talented. I saw a lot of really high IQ moments from him in terms of identifying blitzes. Um, he's a solid run blocker. He's nasty. Uh, he hasn't really lost many reps that I've seen this preseason, so kind of tie a bow on the offense. Um, Bailey Zappi looked really solid for a guy who is in a position where you wouldn't really expect much. Offensive line definitely has, you know, some holes. Um, at the end of the depth chart, not a lot of veteran guys, I think, you'd really 
know that you can lean on outside of maybe Haran to a degree and maybe um, Yasir Durant, just guys who have a little more experience yeah. in the league. Um, but again, I think they got a lot of young talent. Running back, still a bit of an unknown, especially because, you know, yeah. they're in more of a committee approach. And then haven't really touched on receivers yet. Tyquan Thornton was obviously fantastic. Um, oh, sigh. It, it oh, it hurts. I mean, it's just bad luck they have with those early receivers, man. Aaron Dobson, Malcolm Mitchell, um, Nikhil Harry, even, you know, some of these guys didn't work out for maybe talent reasons or what they have you. Um, but, you know, it's just – it stinks to see. At least he'll be back. You know, it's not um, a season-ending injury, which is great. Um, another guy who got injured but was showing really well, Christian Wilkerson, showed some really nice rapport with Zappi in the first game, especially in some big moments. Um, Trey Nixon, I feel like those are the three really uh, big young guys that we've been taking a look at. Nixon hasn't been quite as consistent. I know I hear a lot of flashes where um, in practice, especially before the pads came on, but he's had the drops. There's been the inconsistencies. His role seems like it would be pretty limited right now, so he's probably going to stick to practice squad guy, but – the guy who's been head and shoulders above everybody else offensively outside of, I'd say, Bailey Zappi. No, I'd say over Bailey Zappi, actually, in terms of consistency. Little Jordan Humphrey. Oh, yeah. I really think has a really good chance to make this team. He's caught everything that was catchable that's been thrown his way. He's blocked, you know, with high intensity. He hasn't had a lot of opportunities in that vein. Um, it's kind of like a big slot receiver, kind of like they use Tim Wright. Um, is more of a receiver than a tight end, but you know, I guess you'd call him a pseudo tight end because you're yeah, like kind him. of a big slot or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Because you weren't calling to kill Harry a tight end. You know, he was a big blocker, but Belichick wasn't saying he was a tight endish type, um, which I think is significant. Um, but like I said, he's caught everything. He's been great over the middle. He's shown after the catch. I don't think a lot of people have spoken about that, but he's a big dude, and you've seen that he can uh, carry some guys when they try to bring him down as well. Um, so I would say he's been head and shoulders above everybody else um, in terms of what he's done in the first couple of weeks in the preseason. So, um, yeah, I, I know I've gone off of the offense. But, yeah, I would say um, a lot of intriguing guys, like I said, in some uh, interesting battles. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, who wins at the end of the roster because I know on my 53-day projections I'm having a tough time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think like I, I, I'd want to get to some of the young offensive linemen here in a moment. But you, you brought up Zappy. And I think that I've noticed the same thing. It's I don't know if it's nerves or just got to knock some rust off, but there will be a couple of throws on his first few drives where, it, you know, there'll be pressure and he's kind of just chucking it up for grabs. I remember that from the first game where he's like sailing an out route 10 yards out of bounds. And then, but then there will be times where he's, he's gripping it and ripping it, you know, just one step. Boom, hits the top of the drop, and it's out. And I think it's been like that in practice as well, where the first couple of days of training camp were a bit shaky for Zappi. And then he starts to look a little bit better. And I, I hate to compare it in the same way, but somebody like, the offense looks better when, Zay, when Bailey Zappi's out there than it does with Mac Jones. And to me, it's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison because you have to look at who they're going up against, right? That's right. like if he's going up against threes and he's doing well or, you know, at least holding his own, like, okay, that's cool. But if he's going up against twos or ones or something like that, it's probably not going to look the same. And I think exactly. that the other thing, too, is especially in these preseason games, I mean, maybe you'd be able to speak to this, but they're they're not running all the stuff that we've been seeing in joint practices, right, or, or, or in practice. They're, they're, they're holding some of that stuff back, maybe running some of that old Patriots offense that we're a little bit more used to, I would say. So I think we have to, to take it a little bit with a, with a grain of salt, like what, as you mentioned, like what we're seeing in practice versus what we're seeing in the preseason games because they're keeping it a little bit more vanilla. But I'll tell you what, I think that the, the offensive line, right, a lot of the talk about the offensive line has been more on the negative side because of what the first team and what the starters have shown, which has not necessarily been that good. And I would love to ask you for your thoughts on, the, on what the first team did in that second preseason game. But before we get to that, I am curious, out of those young offensive linemen, who do you think sticks on this, on this roster, assuming they keep eight or nine? Because I think, obviously, the, the, the top five guys are probably locked in here. Right. And then you've got who your, your depth, which I feel like, you know, Justin Haran, even he got hurt, but then he jumped back in with the, you know, the, the for kind of the first backups, right. First guy in once Isaiah right. Wynn goes out. So maybe he's not dead in the water just yet. Yadni Kajust has been playing a good deal of late, but I feel like somebody like James Ference, who I feel like we kind of know what he is at this point. Does somebody like 
a Cody Russi or an Arlington Hambright who got some reps with the first team a little bit ago in training camp, do they stand a better chance of making the team as depth than, say, maybe Ference does? So I would say when it comes to guys like Ference, I think he is – I don't think he would leave the team if he were cut. I think he's a guy that you can count on being on the practice squad as long as you need him. One, the team has developed him. He's been with them the entire time. There's also the Ference connection where um, Coach Ference at Iowa is very close to Bill Belichick. That family is pretty tight um, from what I know as an outsider. So – I would say that he's a guy that you can rely on is you don't necessarily have to keep him on the roster initially. He'll be around, you know, however they can keep him. Um, in terms of young guys making the roster, Hambright has a couple of years of NFL experience, so it's not quite the same position as, say, a Cody Russi, who's coming right in out of college. Um, but Hambright I really like in terms of, first of all, I think he's better as a left tackle. When he came to the league, he had shorter arms, so he was projected to be more of a guard. Now, we know the Patriots, they don't care about arm length to tackle. The Matt Light has proven that. Um, Isaiah Wynn's proven that. If you are athletic and you are technically sound and you can do what they want from the position outside of that, they don't really care if you've got relatively short arms. So I think he's looked pretty good as a left tackle, and that's where he's looked most comfortable to me. Um, I think that – and it's not – again, they're going against backups, um, so it's not necessarily fair, but – Hambright has been consistent enough that I would feel more comfortable with him from what I've seen and would be interested to see how he develops over maybe a Haran. Now, to be fair, Haran does look, he's looked pretty good against Kayvon Thibodeau at the beginning of the preseason. I don't want to make, you know, I feel like people just consider him an afterthought because he's not a great tackle, even though most backup tackles aren't going to be. Exactly. Replacement level tackles are, are what they are. Exactly, exactly. Um, but Hambright, I, I really like that, and his versatility as well. The fact that he can slide to guard. He played left guard, right guard, and left tackle, so that versatility is something that makes me feel like he could really stick. Um, there's also Cody Russi, who I think has the best chance because he's coming in fresh in the league. Now, one thing that is kind of to his disadvantage, in a way, is that he was a super senior in college. He spent five years um, in college football, so he's coming in at 24 years old, which is pretty old for a rookie. But by the same token, he started almost every game he played in college. He's got a lot of starting experience. I think he started 70 of 73 games, something like that. He was a captain. So clearly the Patriots are going to like him a lot. There was also a play that he had against the Panthers where they set the same blitz three or four times. And um, the first couple times, it wasn't really to his side, so there wasn't a lot he could do. They ran it to his side twice. The first time – he was wasted because the Panthers used a blitz that pretty much wasted him in protection. He ended up not blocking anyone, and someone came off the edge, but he was smart enough to know if this player in front of me is dropping, then the pressure is not internal, it's external. And he actually tried to go out of his assignment and go all the way to the edge and block the uh, blitzing safety, which is something you see from veterans. That is a ridiculous play yeah, that shows like the Nelson play. protection. Exactly. Or like a, like a Jason Kelsey, you're like, that dude is smart as hell. That's not a player, that's a dude. Um, and then they did it again, but he got a little bit of help from a chipping tackle, uh, right. a tight end in Matt Sokol. He got around and blew up the safety. So plays like that, if teams are paying attention, I couldn't see him get into the practice squad. Because if I'm a team that needs a center, I'm like, that dude's smart as hell. He's nasty. He's just like Cole Strange in that they love yeah. to finish blocks. You know, they're grinders, they're between the whistle. They're undersized guys, but they're athletic and they're nasty. And if they get their hands on you, they're, you know, you're kind of done on that rep. So in that way, I think he's talented enough, just undervalued at the center position because he's also older. Um, I think that he would have a harder time sneaking out of the practice squad. So I have him currently making it on my projection. Um, so I think for me personally, between him and Hambright, with Will Sherman also making a great push because he's also been solid this preseason and has that inside-out flexibility to play tackle and guard. So between those three guys, I think they all have a legitimate shot to make the roster, possibly push off someone like James Ferenc, who yeah. struggled a little bit considering he's a veteran who played a lot of backup snaps and let up a couple pressures. He also had a really bad unnecessary roughness penalty that ended a two-minute drive where Bailey's zapping the offense were doing pretty well. Um, I don't think that's going to be a, a deal breaker because he's been with the team so long. You know, that's just a dumb penalty. I don't think it's uh, going to you know kill his chances to make right. the roster. But you know, something to monitor. So I uh, could definitely see one of those young guys, you know, kicking an older guy who has a better chance of sticking on the practice squad um, off the roster. Yeah, and and I think what I'm interested in is obviously the the positional versatility, right? The fact that. You could you have three, four guys potentially that can play like like Russie can play guard and center. Hambright can play guard and tackle. 
right? Sherman, they've been bouncing him all over the place as well. And I feel like that's the kind of thing, like, okay, if you got you got her swing tackle, right, who, who's like a Justin Huron or Yadni Kajust, whichever one you, you want to go with, or both, depending on, on how you feel about it. But I, I think it's especially valuable to have players that can go wherever you need them and, and be productive there. So I think that that's a good problem to have ultimately, even if it's developmental prospects and guys you don't necessarily want to be seeing in a game right now, the fact that you you can have that potential. And I feel like you, you mentioned you're not sure if Cody Russi makes it to the practice squad. I feel like in a way that's kind of how things went with Quinn Nordine last year where he got kept on the roster, but Nick Folk got kicked to the practice squad, even though Nick Folk was going to be the kicker all along but it's just like look like we've got something maybe developmental in this guy let's keep him on the roster so that we can stash him later right and we'll and we'll see about that so i could see that being the case with some of these young guys to to get to the first team offense though i'm curious about your thoughts about those first three drives that we saw last friday against the panthers what were you seeing that didn't work so well on the first two drives and then what did work well on that third drive where they finally got a touchdown out of it. It sounds like it was exactly what's been happening in practice. Um, one, I think Matt came out a little shaky. Um, he sailed some pretty very makeable passes for him. Again, I would not get too uh, carried away with that. He even mentioned in the post-game press conference, you know, it's the first game back. There's some rust to uh, work off. Um, there was also the rep where James Ferencz let up a really bad pressure that um, resulted yeah. in sack and ended a drive. Right. Um, but honestly, I didn't think the offensive line was uh, particularly bad necessarily. I thought that it was really just they weren't looking like they were in stride. Mac threw behind Devontae Parker on that one. And to, Parker usually is an accuracy eraser, um, which is a term I'd use to say that he catches one everything that's in his area. And he's also a long, big guy. So even if the pass is behind him, he has the frame and the coordination to make those types of plays. He didn't on that rep necessarily. So just, you know, I think a clunky start. But then what you did see that went well for them was the big play. Um, I mentioned a lot in the uh, offseason that Mack and Nelly, Nelson Aguilar, a lot of their problem wasn't that Nelson wasn't getting open. It was just that Mack wasn't getting him the ball. He was. There were a lot of times that Aguilar was open downfield, but the passes weren't catchable, either due to communication or Mack just not being able to put it where Aguilar could make a play. Then you saw him drop it right in the bucket, and that's the kind of thing where it's like the Chiefs, where – even when they were struggling last year and you saw they couldn't put drives together, being able to create those explosive plays will keep you in the game. Because, sure, you can't, you know, carry the Patriots' MO um, in that preseason game. I'm not saying, you know, that they're going to change what they do. I think they're always going to want to change their game plan based on the opponent. But being able to have big plays while you're struggling to put plays together will at least flip the field and give you opportunities to score. And as we saw in the game, third drive, it flips the line up completely. We get some nice runs from Ty Montgomery, and you get a much shorter field to work with, and it's easier for you to score. So I really think it's the first game. It was one of those where I wouldn't feel comfortable making any you know broad proclamations. Um, it was the first time the first-team offense was playing together during a game. didn't look great, but we saw that there is big playability. Uh, we saw some flashes from the run game. Cole Strange looked solid, which is one of those things you want to yes. see. Juice looked really good, actually. He and Cole Strange next to each other was a really fun combo because they're both a couple really nasty blockers. Um, so I would say there was, in a weird way, more good than bad because you can correct the mistakes, but if you don't at least have the potential to do some good things, then it's you know it's harder to really give you any gold stars. Um, so we saw the big play potential. We saw that the offensive line can look good when they're gelling and when they're working together because they're a very talented unit. But we have to see at some point, and it is discouraging because it is this late in the um, preseason, even in practices where they're having trouble getting these drives together. But then we see when it's a two-minute drive or at the end, they have the resilience where they bounce back. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough team, but as they've acknowledged, there's growing pains. They're learning a new system. And, you know, as much as we want to say, oh, it's the end of the preseason. They haven't had it figured out yet. Like, what kind of timeline is this? How often does this team have no idea how to use guys, what guys' roles are, you know, what they even do well until November? You know, like, September is still preseason for them. We know this. It's frustrating as hell until you get to the point in the season, you know, if it comes together, which we have yet to see outside of the Brady era, where, you know, they're like, okay, this is what we're good at. Let's pedal to the metal, do what we do best. And that's when you forget, oh, yeah, September, they were one of the worst teams in football. So, you know, 
take everything with a grain of salt. And, you know, if you're like me, you try to be optimistic and just be wary of the things that concern you until they either do to the point where you can't ignore them or until they go away. Yeah. I mean, they were two and four to start last season. They started off one and three, all three losses at home just to start things off. And it's just like, man. It, it, like, are we going to take moral victories about how they played good teams tough? Like, are we going to be concerned about the fact that they're not putting teams away? And then, you know, they, they ended up in a pretty good spot, despite the fact that, I mean, they got exposed at certain points at the end of last year. And I think, you know, Mac was, I mean, Mac was a rookie. And I think that other teams, um, you know, got film on him and figured out, hey, he really likes throwing to Jacoby Myers. Like, why don't we go ahead and do something about that? And, and that then, Buffalo I, game plan was the most aggressive. Um, the, the second time they played them in Foxborough was the most aggressive. Like, you will not throw inside. Like, oh, we yeah. are not letting you do it. They literally were just shading like a yard inside the receivers, undercutting everything that they wanted to do, especially on third downs. And in the playoff game, we actually did see them switch up the game plan, and Mac was throwing a lot of outbreakers. There were no crossing routes that he boots or anything like that. So it was very different. But. <laughs> You're absolutely right on that front. Like they, yeah. they had the book on them. Yeah, and, and I think even earlier in the season, I felt like I noticed this against the Saints. Dennis Allen mm-hmm. was kind of throwing little mini brackets on Jacoby Myers with zone coverage. And it's like everybody knew that it's like, okay, this is the guy he wants on third down. This is what he wants to do. Every time he runs an over route, it's like we're putting two people on him and we're waiting to see what he does off of that. And I mean, look, I, Jacoby Myers, I feel like people keep on ta- asking – well, who's going to be Mac Jones's, uh, you know, go-to guy this year? Like they don't have any elite receivers and, and stuff like that. Who, who's he going to trust? And I'm like, what do you think? Like, it, it's like a Jeopardy question. It's like, uh, you know, like name the uh, guy that the Patriots, uh, that Mac Jones trusts more than anybody else, even though he has no elite receivers. Who is Jacoby Myers? Okay. This, to me, it's like, it's not that hard. And I was saying it. For months, like as much as I wanted to see Kendrick Bourne step up and have some kind of huge leap or whatever, because he is a talented guy and they have a lot of fast, explosive receivers, it's tough when you got a guy who catches everything thrown his way, who consistently creates separation. So you're not going to unseat him until you prove that you are going to be as reliable as Jacoby Myers, and no one's been able to do that since he walked into the locker room. So. Which is wild. I mean, he comes in as an undrafted player, like a former quarterback, switches positions. He's gotten better every year that he's played. And I mean, like, I don't know that he's going to top out at a 1,500-yard receiver or something like that. Eventually, there's going to be a ceiling to this. But I mean, he, he he really does keep on getting better. And I feel like he shows you something every once in a while. You're like, huh, I didn't know Jacoby had that in his bag. Like, he gets up a little bit. Like like on, on some jump balls in the end zone, like we've seen him, uh, you know, elevate up over people. I'm like, huh, look at that. So I don't know. I, I feel like he's still got a, you know a couple of elements to explore with his game a bit. Okay, let's switch away momentarily from the offense and get into the defense because this cornerback room is so interesting to me. In practice, we've seen Jalen Mills kind of assert himself as that number one guy, uh, you know, at least for this team. Right. And then we've seen miles Bryant and, and Jonathan Jones as his running mates, Jonathan Jones switching to the outside. It's pretty consistent. I think this is what they are going to do. Miles Bryant has come on very strong in training camp. I feel like at the beginning, we're kind of thinking, I don't know, is he even going to make this team? Uh, You know, especially because we're thinking about Malcolm Butler still being on it. He's on IR now, but I mean, Miles Bryant has had quite a rise over the last few weeks and overtaken Marcus Jones, who I've really liked during training camp. I think he's done some very good things, but there are still, I, I think, things like balance issues when he is you know, trying to you know stay with receivers out of their cuts. I feel like I've noticed him like looking at it like he's going to fall down constantly. It's like, I feel like I'd like to see him improve little things about that. But at the same time, like, he looks like a guy who who is going to get snaps this year. And then Jack Jones is everybody. Everybody loves Jack Jones because he wants to jump everything, which it sounds like got him torched by Devonte Adams down in Los Angeles, down in Las Vegas, which is not surprising. Uh, but what do you think about these cornerbacks and the secondary in general from what, from the little bit that you've seen? So size, I would say is the biggest thing that worries me. For this uh, cornerback room, I think they've got some solid uh, potential matchup options in Jalen Mills. 
Um, I think Terrence Mitchell is one guy I could see making the roster or possibly sticking on the practice squad is a guy that they use, you know, if they play when they play the Bengals and it's okay, we've got highs everywhere. We cannot let our five, nine corners follow these guys around. Um, And it's just going to be a situation where it's like, okay, we're going to put size on you until, you know, if you burn us with size, then all right, we'll put John Jones back outside. And at least we know that he'll stick to you. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest themes this year we see in the in the cornerback room with John Jones, with Marcus Jones, with Jack Jones. They're guys who are smaller, but they're extremely athletic. They're sticky. They have excellent recovery speed, and they also have very good ball skills. Um, and when you see teams like the Dolphins, who have a lot of quick twitchy receivers, where if you want to play them big, they're probably going to break some tackles. They're probably going to beat you at the top of the route or just run away from you on crossing routes because it's just a different type of matchup. Right. Um, so while the Patriots don't have a basketball team, I'd like to see them have, or you know, you can you have every you have somebody for every type of receiver, and you have a lot of uh, variation. I think also Sean Wade gives you some depth as a young guy who can possibly compete um, with those bigger receivers. And then there's also in terms of Miles Bryant, I think he's another guy who is intelligent. He's got good ball skills, but unlike the other slot options they've got or the other really cornerback options, he's not very fast. He's yeah. probably the slowest corner. And that was what got him exposed against the Bills, where I think he got a lot of crap because he was giving up all these crossing routes. But I was saying during the game, if you get a guy who's gotten beat two or three times on the same route, give him help. I think Devin McCourty even said it after the game. They never adjusted because what they should have done was have a safety come down and cut that route so that Isaiah McKenzie was running into help rather than forcing a guy who's clearly not as fast have to run all the way across the field with one of the faster slot receivers in football and somebody um, lay a body on that dude off the line of scrimmage too exactly exactly like there's certain things but the thing is miles bryant technically he's solid he's going to be in the right position more often than not which is i think why you see him get the edge over marcus jones because marcus jones has the recovery speed we saw that a lot in college to make mistakes but still be in a position to make a play on the ball which is what makes him i think such a fun prospect to look at down the road but we also saw where the balance issues like you said He'll get on his heels off the line of scrimmage where when a receiver is getting closer to him and trying to eat cushion or try to get in his kitchen, make him uncomfortable, you know, all those terms and scouts and football people use. Um, you see rather than staying square and initiating contact or, you know, uh, staying towards the receiver, he'll kind of start to lean back. And then when the cut comes, he's not in position to really stay in the receiver's hip and he gets behind. Or at the top of routes, if you see the receiver nod or maybe give a little head fake, his technique will slip and he'll kind of start leaning towards that and you'll see him kind of get toasted. But again, he's athletic. So we're probably going to see Miles Bryant in that role until Jones showed that he can consistently stick with these receivers and not make the small mistakes where against Jalen Wilder or Tyree Kill, that's going to turn into a 30-yard game because if you're not close enough to at least tackle them afterwards, they're going to run away from Oh, yeah. And and I think that it's funny you're mentioning him getting back on his heels because that's what really irritated me about watching Kyle Fuller in Chicago is that he would do the same thing. It's like constantly looking like he was going to fall over and somebody beats him with a with a hitch. Right. Mm-hmm. This is like the simplest routes. It's like, what do you mean you can't cover that? You were in position two seconds ago. But I think that the thing that's interesting about Bryant, though, or rather interesting about Marcus Jones is that he gets beat and then he's so quick and his acceleration is like this, that he still finds a way to be competitive in coverage at times where he he sneaks back into the play and and just annoys you enough to, to make a play on the football. So it's like, yeah, as you mentioned, if he could just tighten up that part of his technique, I feel like he could be pretty solid. I mean, he's a short guy, obviously. and 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 as you mentioned, the Patriots have a lot of those. So that's something they'll have to adjust for. And we've seen every once in a while, Somebody get mossed in practice because, I mean, right. look, it is what it is. Devontae Parker, you'll box some guys out. Um, DJ Moore got up over Jonathan Jones one time in the end zone. It's like, okay, yeah, that's going to happen if you put him out there. But all in all, I think that that's one thing you can describe this team as defensively and in the secondary is, is competitive. I want to get your take on this. So the defensive front generally has looked better than I think a lot of people thought it was going to. Devon Godshaw has been a beast so far yeah. like I, I mean he you know everybody was talking about oh yeah ha, 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 you know best defensive lineman in the league you know as far as like bill belichick's proclamation about him but he was destroying up front with with against the panthers 
And I think it sounds like he's had a pretty good week down there in Las Vegas as well. I'm not down there, so I can't see it for myself. So I'm looking at the reports. Matthew Judon's been a wrecking ball. He's back to doing what he was doing at the beginning of last year. So you can you can hopefully maybe hang your hat on that. I think it's been really interesting watching what they've been doing with Anthony Jennings, getting some snaps up there with uh, on the edge opposite Judon to start the game. And then Dietrich Wise Jr., who's been kind of shifting in and out. I really like that because I think he's got a little bit of pass rushing juice and size off the edge to hold the run if they want to use him there. But the thing that everybody has questions about right now are the off-ball linebackers. Are they any good? And how often are they going to use them with all these good safeties that they have? Are the linebackers a concern to you? And do you think that having four playable safeties, potentially four or five playable safeties is going to maybe convince them to use those guys more than they would otherwise? I think one thing that's important to remember, um, and it's tough when, you know, you got like Madden out and, you know, I, I've been playing it, maybe I'm being a little salty here, but it's personnel can sometimes fly under the radar. Like everyone wants to say, oh, the Patriots had a bad run defense last year and like blame it on Devon Godshaw because he's their nose tackle. Meanwhile, you've still got like 215-pound guys, maybe 220 pounds in Douglas' case. He's a freak athlete. But you've got smaller guys in the box who are taking on big linemen. So the Patriots play, I think they're probably like a top five team in terms of the amount of time they play. So if they play, most most teams in the league, especially on the schedule this year, are pass happy. And you're not the run is not your main priority. You're probably going to ask them to run against you rather than throw it behind your head. So I think they're going to continue to use their safeties. Adrian Phillips in the box, Kyle Duggar in the box, maybe a little bit of Joshua Bledsoe. Who knows? Um, he's been a very versatile player for them who I think could make the team. Um, but I think one thing that's very important to remember is that you do need linebackers who can still be forces for you in the run game in certain game plans. Now, obviously, your safeties can hold up better than most in the box. Adrian Phillips, what he does against offensive linemen for a guy his size who isn't as powerful – is like a Kyle Duggar where it's like, okay, yes, he's smaller, but he can also punch a guard and put them on their ass the way Duggar can. Phillips is more just tough where he's not going to go down and he's not going to, um, you know, he's not going to be taken out of the fit just because there's a bigger guy on him. Now, when you put someone like a Raekwon McMillan, uh, Mac Wilson, Jelani Tavai, who Belichick is a big fan of, um, Matt Patricia knew him because uh, he was drafted in Detroit when he was the head coach. Those are a lot of guys that people don't know, but who I think have been solid in the preseason. A lot of athletic guys who have a ton of speed, but also can get physical and get off blocks from offensive linemen who kind of bridge that gap from what you had where it was, okay, you only have Juwan Bentley and uh, Dante Hightower for starters, where both guys are liabilities in coverage because they're just not as fast. You know, they're smart enough that they're not going to get burned, but you can't, they'll give up a first down if you find the right matchup. Now, they can still have the speed like they did with, say, Kyle Van Noy, but they also have the physicality um, to kind of bridge the gap where they can still be a good run-defending team without having to give up um, that athleticism. So I think Jelani Tavai is a guy who isn't as explosive as the other guys, but he is a little twitchy. I've seen scouting reports to say he's more frenetic, which I think is pretty fair because you get the sense that he's doing it more to beat blockers, although he's physical in his own right. Um, Raekwon McMillan, I think, in limited snaps um, that I've seen, has lived up to what people have mentioned, where he's fast, he's strong, he's smart, he's a good run defender, he's just been solid. Um, and they also seem to want to use him as a rusher, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. And then you got Matt Wilson, who has been all over the field in the preseason, he's been breaking up passes getting in the backfield. I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. It's more of like a Kyle Vanoy coverage type um, where you see him on third downs or against like the Chiefs or teams just want to throw it a lot. So uh, it's an interesting group um, where I think you're still going to see a lot of those safeties in the box, but I think the linebackers will be able to definitely be more competitive in the run game uh, than they were last year in terms of running sideline to sideline and defending the outside zone, which every team is running these days now. You know, it's interesting as you're talking about this, this is something that I feel like I've come to the realization of on both sides of the ball, really, when you're talking about having a receiver group, for example, that is perhaps greater than or that could be greater than the sum of their parts, right? There's no really elite players in that group, but a lot of good ones on defense. you got a lot of, I would say, mixable, matchable pieces 
right? You, you can you can play chess with them. You got a lot of different kinds of skill sets at linebacker, cornerback, safety, even on the defensive line. Guys that can play inside, outside, and you can bring Josh Uche off the bench as your speed rusher. You can have Anthony Jennings in on you know uh, first and second down to set the edge or bump Dietrich wise. There are so many different things that you could do on both sides of the ball. But again, not a lot of just okay, that guy right there is a star. Like, you have to right. deal with that. I mean, I, I think that probably the, the two guys that would fall under that category are probably Judon and maybe Barmore becomes that by the end of the year. Can the How can the Patriots have success playing chess all the time, constantly, as opposed to having guys that you just hang your hat on and say, I'm better than you at this? Whereas it feels like it's going to be Bill Belichick and the coaching staff are going to be like, okay, we collectively are better than you at figuring out how to put guys in the right positions. Um, honestly, I feel like this is just pretty much standard Patriots defensive front, if I'm being totally honest. Our defensive line, at least in terms of there usually aren't any guys who stand out in terms of like both bases of the game. He's just going to dominate you and he's better than you. Usually we see, you know, there's one star, maybe two, and everybody else is more of a role player. Now, one thing I would say is the depth at edge scares me a little bit because, God forbid, Judon goes down. Jennings, I think, is a solid edge across from him. I think that he is a good run defender and a solid serviceable pass rusher. And obviously you have Uche as your um, designated pass rusher who will probably sub in for Jennings. But besides them, there's no one that really has experience or at least is enough of a two-way player that I would feel comfortable with them on the field consistently. Juwan Bentley is would probably be an outstanding, and he's only had two snaps on the edge that we've seen in the preseason. But he looks like a dominant edge defender in terms of stopping runs because he's a big dude. He's powerful, and he's not really uh, bendy or athletic or explosive, so you don't really necessarily need to use him as a pass rusher. You know, use him on early downs and then get him in the middle of defense whenever you need. Um, but like I said, without Judon, they don't have those two-way guys, so that does scare me. Now, that said, I think Dietrich Wise is one of the most underrated defensive players in football. He's been one of the he's been one of their best and most efficient pass rushers since his rookie year, has only gotten better. Um, he's improved as a run defender because he has one of the harder roles, I think, in the league where he's asked to do something that most guys do at about 300 pounds, 290. And he's I think he started in his career around like 270. I think now he's bulked up to 280s. Um, but he's taken on double teams in the run game. Most of the time he holds his own. He's very good against one-on-one -on -one blocks. And he's a guy who can bring heat from different places. So I think if anything ever happened on the edge, I think we're going to see more of him. Uh, just because they don't have that depth with the stand-up edge rushers. We actually saw Dietrich Twice stand up um, and rush that way and defend uh, outside with, uh, two, with both hands up instead of in that defensive lineman position that we usually see him in. So... Like you said, you're going to have to mix and match. It's shallow outside. I hope they get more depth once rosters are cut down and they have a little more options around the league. But in terms of interior defensive line, I think they're as good as they've been in a while. Um, I'm not sure if Carl Davis will make the roster just because they have so many spots. I think he may be a practice squad guy who they elevate after some people are put on uh, short-term injured reserve. But Carl Davis has been dominant as a nose oh, tackle, especially one-on-one. You can't block him. He's like he's what you want. He's that 330 pound space eater who is going to destroy single team blocks. And if you combo him most times, he's going to stand his ground or at least free up somebody behind him. Lawrence guy, solid. You rarely hear his name, I feel like, but he is just doing the right thing all the time. Very hard to block. And Devon Gottschalk, another guy who I think is misunderstood because he's 310 pounds as a nose tackle. So, yes, sometimes he's going to get moved by double teams. But he doesn't get – he rarely loses on single-team blocks. He's very good in that department. An underrated pass rusher because he's – although he's stiff, he's explosive and he's got powerful hands. So he can collapse the pocket pretty well. And then Barrett Barmore is going to be an all-pro. It's just a matter of when. Like that dude is Chris Jones incarnate, except I think he's going to be a better run defender because he wants to be. And he's shown that he has gotten better in run defense, I think, this preseason and limited opportunities. Um, he's going to be a game runner. So um, in terms of interior defensive linemen, I think they're stacked. Uh, Sam Roberts wrecked at, D2, at the D2 level in college. Uh, you've seen that explosiveness and power from him 
in the preseason. I think he's going to get on the roster at the back end. Um, so, yeah, inside, they're good. Daniel Ekwale is going to be suspended, but he's another really solid piece they have who's explosive yeah. inside, um, solid against the run. I think he's better. He's just kind of undersized, so you want to make sure he gets a solid matchup. Um, but, yeah, inside, they're good. Outside, I hope they can bolster a little bit because I am definitely a little worried. Although Demarcus Mitchell, I will say, to end this rant, um, he's a special teamer who has shown some pretty impressive stuff as a pass rusher towards the end of games. He's got some twitch. He's got some moves, although he's still raw and doesn't always land them. But you can see there's some interesting stuff there, although he'll mostly, I think, contribute as a larger-than-average uh, game-wrecking special team. He's, he's been collecting bodies on coverage and block teams this preseason. Very under-the-radar player who can sneak in the practice squad or be a late-roster guy. So, um, yeah, that's defensive line. Edge, scary. Inside, scary for good reasons. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Christian Barmore, I've seen a couple of reps in practice, like in team segments, not just one-on-ones, because one-on-ones, of course, he's hard to handle. And I mean, he's over there. Like, and I mean, Michael Nwenu is one of the only guys who's been able to consistently stand up to him. Everybody else, it feels like he's destroying. But man, in team segments, sometimes it's it's nightmare fuel watching this guy just just hurt people. (laughs) Like, I just, dear God, um, I cannot wait until he's turned against uh, more consistently turned against people that are not the New England Patriots. But look, to kind of kind of wrap things up, one of the most, frankly, annoying topics of conversation around this team has been about the offensive play caller and, you know, whatnot. Like, oh, my God, you know, they, why are you going with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge and, and what have you? I've personally been of the opinion that, yes, well, I would not ask Matt Patricia to run my offense necessarily. He would not be my first choice. I personally feel like by the end of the year, we're probably not going to care about it as much as long as guys do their jobs. But the question becomes, they are now doing more stuff that perhaps they haven't done as much of in the past. It's not to say they've never run outside zone before, right? Of course they have, but how much they've been running it and the way that they've been repping some of these like Sean McVay ish concepts in practice and, and teasing them a little bit during games it hasn't quite meshed up very well. And so when when it comes down to it, just generally, how much of a work in progress do you see this offense being as it embarks on kind of this post-Tom Brady, post-Josh McDaniels, you know, quest to find out who they are? And do you think they're going to get this thing figured out to an acceptable degree by the time the season's over? Um, this is one of the harder questions for me just because I think this is one of those things where you only really know when you understand the day-to-day of what they're doing in the building and how things work. Um, personally, I think one an underrated factor is that Matt Patricia does have offensive line experience. Um, you know, it's not the same as Joe Judge with quarterback experience, which is one thing. Usually you see uh, quarterbacks coaches as the offensive play callers because they have good relationships with the quarterbacks who are usually the ones who are orchestrating whatever's going on in offense or have the most feedback or input, I'm sorry, uh, because obviously passing game is key in this league. Um, but I think it's going to, like you said, I think it's going to be one of those situations that we have every year in Foxborough where there's some huge storyline in the offseason that everyone freaks out about, and then it just kind of dies down because there's still a Patriots team. It's a Bill Belichick-run team. Until they give me a reason to hit the panic button, I'm going to assume that they will figure it out. Um, he's probably going to be the last word on offense. You know, we've heard from players and heard from reports and all these things that he has really shifted away from the defense to be more on the offensive side of the ball more consistently. Um, I mean, Tom Brady would not have become Tom Brady without Bill Belichick because of all the information they shared together and all of, you know, their perspective together, you know, Brady being able to tell Belichick things from the perspective of being the best quarterback ever and Belichick being able to tell Brady things about how defender, how defenders think and all these things. So there's no one better to have in this position than Bill Belichick. Um, obviously there's, you got people in roles that are new to them, but fair thing to remember is that Josh McDaniels was a defensive coach before he started calling plays for the Patriots. So I'm not saying that Matt Patricia is going to be Josh McDaniels. I would never say that. But the guy's a rocket scientist. Was he a great head coach? No. But that is very, very different from being a coordinator, being a play caller. Um, yes, experience matters at that spot. But at the same time, he is an intelligent coach. He has had, he clearly has the respect of Bill Belichick, which 
I think that means a little something, you know, as much as we want to, you know, poo-poo everything that the Patriots do that doesn't seem to go with the trends, you know, because when is it worked when the Patriots zig instead of zag? Um, but yeah, I think this is a storyline that's going to die down. Uh, and I'm, I'm putting my blinders on. I'm not really buying into the uh, panic stuff until they can be reason to be worried. You know, I think the offensive line will take a while to gel because that's just how it works. I don't think the offense is going to come out of the season, you know, looking like a finished product because it never does. I don't think that's a fair expectation. I think we should wait until Thanksgiving, the way that we've been told to forever with Belichick and see what they are then. And, you know, then make our sweeping um, uh, storylines and takeaways then. Hey, I'm with that. I'm I'm a patient person. I'm all about patience. So, hey, by Thanksgiving, if they suck, we will we will just unanimously say that they suck. Hopefully, and we'll course. all be able to get we'll all be able to get on the same page. But you know what? If as I think they will be, if they are still kind of uh, you know slightly above 500 and and hovering around the edge of that playoff picture. I think, I mean, that's about as good a position perhaps as you could hope for. I mean, I, I feel like this, you know, is a, is a good team. I don't, I don't necessarily view them as, you know, oh yeah, they're going to win the Super Bowl this year, but I feel like they are going to be a competitive team. They are going to be in just about every game they play. At least that's how I feel about it from what I've seen. The question is just going to be, can they pull out some of those games that they're not supposed to? And I think that that will be the key really to how we all feel at the end of this process. But look, Taylor, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. This is so fun. I definitely kept you on here and blabbed a lot more than I usually would. But I mean, look, in the end, it's always better to say too much than it is to say too little in, in my experience. So you know what, man? Thank you so much for doing that. That is Taylor Kyles of Next Gen Stats and Pat's Pulpit. We really need to get more of this guy on here. Hey, man, if you want me, I will make time. I've had a great time talking to you today. Obviously, you know, we go back and forth on Twitter all the time. So this has been super exciting, man. Uh, thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it.